This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Amber Johnson with Rarity Photography. Nothing gets Amber Johnson more excited than an amazing picture. She's got affordable pricing. She makes sure that her clients are valued and is a top priority. She always makes sure to give direction when she shoots. It's her job to make sure you know exactly what to do and how to do it. Quality you can count on for five years of experience. With so many people out there calling themselves professionals, it's important to hire someone that knows their camera and knows what they're doing. Each session comes with a free CD of edited images. Don't forget, you always need pictures for your high school seniors, engagements, weddings, families, newborns, children's, and special events, including the holidays. And you can get a hold of Amber Johnson with Rarity Photography at Facebook at Rarity Photography. You can email her at rarityphotos at gmail.com. And Johnny, how do you get a hold of her on the horn? You can give her a nice phone call at 863-303-3789. And once again, that is Rarity Rarity Photography. Photography. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course I have Kyle Deuce here. What's going on, man? A lot is always going on. It's, uh, man, so much. It's, uh, but before we start this amazing episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, we want to do the Happy Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Hang on one second. <sighs> it is party time. It is party party. So, Kyle, mm-hmm. you and I had this awesome Monday Night Wars discussion recently. We did, we did. And uh, there's a lot going on. With the WWE, especially back in the day, WCW, WWE, ECW, all that stuff, you told me, hey, Johnny, you, you got to check out the Flight of the Cruiserweights. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because as soon as I saw it, like, I didn't even start it. And I was like, I texted you. I'm like, Johnny, you have to see this. Yep. Yep. And then I went and I watched it at the gym. Holy shit balls! I yep. think that might be the best one they've done so far. Well, you know, it's funny because they... Bischoff, he doesn't get a lot of credit, I don't think. Enough credit. Uh, and everyone always, you know, Bischoff has been... Because he came off as like a TV personality as well, you know, with the yeah. NWO. But he he has he knew what he needed to do to make things work. Because his whole idea was, hey, you know, when you think of wrestlers... Yeah. You think of big, beefy, tall yeah. guys, especially in the WWF at the time. They had all these big gimmicks and everything like that. And, and he's like, hey, let's bring in some talent. Some high yeah. flying talent from all over the world, and bring them in and, yeah. and see what's going on. And and of course, it was I think they called it the the light heavyweight champions. It, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, well, actually, it was a cruiserweight division. Well, before that, they, it was just a light light heavyweight champion. Yeah. I think light heavyweight champion was what WWE did to copy WCW, but Is I think that what WCW okay. called yeah. it the actual cruiserweight the division. cruiserweight division. And of course, I ever since Nitro got put on the. The WWE Network, oh, yeah. which is nine ninety nine. Keep that check coming from WWE. Exactly. You got to keep paying for yep. my WWE Network. WWE. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> but I one thing I was just blown away by was watching those those matches. I mean, when WWE Network got announced, I remember I went right to, of course, nineteen ninety six Bash at the Beach when the NWO made their their yeah, their, their big debut. The big debut, and. One of the matches that really got overshadowed during that match was the Psychosis and Rey Mysterio Jr. And I was just blown away by how good both of them were. And I was like, God, WCW had such amazing cruiserweights. 
you know, in that division. Oh, yeah, and you remember, because you watched the, the documentary recently, that was Rey Mysterio's first match, Yeah, was that match. And yep. he didn't even know, like, he thought he was just going to do, like, house show. Yep. And he showed up, and they're like, no, you're going to be on a pay-per-view with Psychosis. And he's like... Oh shit! <laughs> like, yeah, he goes, there's cameras here. He goes, yeah. uh, uh, what's what going am I gonna on do? here? <laughs> yeah, and he was all nervous. And like, he, I mean, he was so small, dude. Like, he was so tiny. he was because if you look at him, you know, then compared to he is now, Oof, he yeah. was a lot smaller. Not yeah. like he had a growth spurt or anything, but he put on more muscle mass. And, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely got bigger as yeah. he got you know older. But yeah. man, that's a great match. That's hands the, down awesome I, match. When I think of cruiserweights, like, I, I'll, I'll name off a list of of amazing cruiserweights that I, I just loved watching in WCW, especially during the, the Thunder days, because they introduced oh, yeah. Thunder later, yeah. and Thunder really had a great way to showcase that talent, because it was another program. They were yeah. like, all right, let's just... And I think it was another thing for, for Ted Turner to, to get the... He said he mainly put Thunder on for the ratings for TBS. Yeah. He wanted, like, all right, TNT had Nitro. He goes, let me let me throw my TBS a bone. A bone, yeah. Yep, and that's... He goes, and he did it for the ratings, and they were doing really well for that. And I just I Dean Malenko is that dude can work. That yeah. dude was so amazing. They called him the man with a thousand holds. I mean, that dude knew every submission book in the book, you know. Yeah. And but I, lo- I loved I loved Ray Mysterio, of course. Uh, I loved Dean Malenko. Eddie Guerrero was f- him and him and Ray Mysterio Jr. had some amazing matches. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Um, uh, who else? Super crazy. He yeah. was freaking just nuts. Um, you had um, La Parca. La Parca. And he yeah. was a taller guy. Yeah, he was. He was like a taller dude that yeah. was in like the. It was so weird. Like he, he had he had like the skeleton. Yeah, and a uh, skeleton gimmick or whatever. And uh, who else did you have? Um, Were you forgetting like Billy Kidman? Billy Kidman, yeah. yeah, Billy Kidman. He had a what an interesting ride, and to see him on this special, oh yeah, I was like, whoa! I didn't even know he was he was all suited up. I was like, well, that's because he's a backstage agent now. Oh, for, is he? Yeah, he was on Raw the past two weeks. Oh, was he? Because I don't can't remember what the gimmick is, but he comes out as like Stephanie's personal bodyguard. It's like him. And uh, I didn't recognize it him. Oh, it's wow. the two of them because they both still work with the company backstage right. as road agents. Right. So I mean, they're on Raw every now and again. It's kind of like I don't, I don't know how much TNA you watched in the past two or three years, but like Al Snow and D'Lo right, Brown right, were road right, agents. Right. So like every so often you see them come out and you're yeah. like, oh my god, it's D'Lo Brown, it's Al yeah. Snow, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like Malenko sighting. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, I also I also loved um, Juventud Guerrera. He, he was awesome. He was oh, yeah. he was really good with that 450 uh, splash or whatever. Yeah. Um, who else did you have? I mean, just, I mean, ju- uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Jushin uh, Thunder Liger. He was yeah. this guy from Japan. He was amazing. Like speaking of Japan, Ultima Dragon. That dude. Oh yeah, was just nuts. I, I mean, he, he he could work with anybody, and that's that's that that was more of a thing where he would put people over because he was so good. I mean, he was a great in his own right, but like he was just so experimental like you, every time you watched his matches you would never see the same thing twice and like i just yeah so just the cruiserweight we can go on about the cruiserweight division i mean there's just there's so exciting to watch so much energy yeah. it's not like the typical brawlers with you know with your power bombs and doing all this no i'm not not that dean malenko couldn't do he he actually oh, he could yeah he, he was a uh, really strong for his size pound for pound you know for for his division he was really really strong uh and i know he would defeat guys with the double underhook power bomb uh he actually did that a few times um, back in the early '90s, but uh, man, and Chris Jericho—that yeah. was the weird thing that they—he was they the really... man of a thousand and one holds. Yes, <laughs> I remembered that that fateful day in Nitro, and that was such a great promo. He goes, Japanese armbar. 
Uh, and then they went to commercial, like, and then came back, bar. and you still read. The- Hold one thousand harm bar, <laughs> arm drag. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was so good. That was back when they had printer paper that had the dots on the yeah, side because yeah. that's what he rolled out. He rolled out one of those. And he was like, oh my god, yeah. yeah, oh my god, that was hilarious. But but the w- reason I bring up Chris Jericho is because he, you know, he came in from doing international stuff like oh, yeah. he, he was really big and you know, he knew Ray Mysterio and, and Eddie and all them doing the stuff over in Japan and yeah. in Mexico so he had that background that knowledge and, and I think he he actually was a combination of both like I, I felt like he had he had that he had that um uh what do you call it the he had the technical aspect. well yeah he was technical but he also he had that lucha libre style thrown in yeah. there as well as the Japanese uh yeah. judo style but you know he could strong kicks. He he got the the moonsault stuff from Ultimate Dragon. Like he yeah. he he knew he kind of did all of that. Yeah. And then of course his submission. You know at the time the uh, walls of Jericho. Yeah. Um. Or Lion Tamer. Yeah. Sorry. The yeah. Lion Tamer. Uh, originally when he was in ECW. And yeah. He came over to WCW and then uh, what what was great about this documentary? Or the, I call it a documentary series. Um, yeah. Was the fact that WCW at one point they just. They didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, like they got really. I mean, it was like the into, yeah. the, the W the NWO got so crazy and, and convoluted. Yeah, especially you know with the Wolfpack and and then the LWO and yeah. like every, everything just kind of got diluted. Now it yeah. wasn't as special. wasn't as no. important, especially once it broke up from the black and white and the red and black. So you had like NW Hollywood, NW Wolfpack. And it just it got it got out of control. Like yeah. NWO got way Everyone out of control for a hot minute. Yeah, and then that was like for the first time. I think it was uh, ninety eight. Uh, that was when that started happening. That was when W because it was almost like two years that WCW was beating WWE. Yeah, and then WWE started really during the during the, obviously during the uh, the Rock the Rock Austin era. I mean that really the yeah, attitude, attitude era, era really just pushed them over, pushed them over the edge, and that's when Eddie and uh, Perry Saturn and Dave Malenko and everyone decided to jump ship. Yeah, you know, and I think Jericho was the first one to really pioneer that because you think about Jericho, he he was in the cruiserweight division, but it it was like he was kind of in the middle. He was almost like uh, in the middle. He could fly he around could fly because around. I remember like he did a lot of I would say mid card programs in WCW because yeah. yeah. I remember two or three times my brother because he lived in town, bought WCW pay-per-views, and we went to his house to watch him, and, like, Jericho was working, like, a mid-card feud. Yeah. And would be, you know, like, the hot opener We had a really cool uh, arc with Goldberg I loved. Yeah. We had that, had that uh, what was that, Gilbert or something like that? Oh, Gilbert? Yeah, he had that little miniature dude. Well, was, no, Gilbert was on WWE, because they, oh. they made Gilbert to make fun of Goldberg. But he did something on WCW. Um, well, that was with the fat guy that was his manager well, that no, came out. That was Ralphus. But no, yeah. they had a, they had another guy that he was fighting it, that was like a small... I have it. It, it, it's on, it was a 1998 uh, Halloween Havoc. He, he was supposed to fight Goldberg for the first time. Right. Yeah, and it was a miniature dude that looked like Goldberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. So they probably reused that gimmick in WWE. But... Uh, what I love about Jericho, and I've got to meet him a couple times. He's a really class act. Yeah. Uh, he's written a few books now. His new book just came out. I yeah, think. I was about to say, if he's, you're one of our fans listening out there, because I, I'll be the first one to admit I am not a big reader at all, you need to pick up Chris Jericho's books. Not only are they easy reads if you're not like a big reader like I am, but the stories are amazing. And like I, I've got pretty much all of his books, and I've read them all cover to cover, which is a big thing for me. Um, so man, those are great, you learn a lot reads. of things that went on that they don't really talk about in documentaries no. or anything like that, and how you know he got paid hardly anything to to start out and oh, like yeah. what I mean, 
he was always told, you know, follow the money, follow your heart, but you don't want to be, you don't want to sell yourself short, you know, because no. he was, he was pretty much at the end of his WCW days. He was like, he wasn't getting any respect. You no. know, he was working all these matches. He was jobbing people. Yeah. And then he went over that fateful August 9th, 1999, mm. when he, uh, I'll never forget that no, day. I won't either. I mean, that day that he, he, um, showcased the world, you know, in WWE. And that, that, that promo he cut was still one of the best. Uh, in the history of Raw, like, I, amazing, yeah. and of course, you know he's been up and down. You know he was obviously the first uh, undisputed WWE champion ever in yep. the history. He he'll always t- talk about it. You know, like this is you know biggest thing he loves to talk about. But uh, you look at the other people that came over that didn't have the same success. Yeah. Um, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn. You know, you look at some of them. They yeah. they they kind of. But it wasn't like they, they I don't know, the, I, I think because it was so big with the Attitude Era and everyone was so over with that and Mankind and Triple H and yeah. just everyone was just so on top of their game. Yeah. You know? Well, out of the four of the new radicals, Dean Malenko didn't do so hot. Perry Saturn didn't do so hot. But Chris Benoit and also yeah. Eddie Guerrero d- did very, very well for yeah. themselves. So out of that four. They both that wore, four, wore gold, like yeah. championship gold. Yeah. So, so yeah. those two of the four did really well. But also you got to remember you know D Malenko's still road agent he's still working right. with WWE so i mean he's set for life he pretty is. much i mean he's got a steady job steady paycheck mm-hmm. so you know you got to look at it that way too the only thing i will add about this is when i watch these documentaries though it's it's something an old history teacher told me he said history is written by the winners you can always kind of tell the little digs WWE throws at WCW and different things like that. Like oh, you yeah. can always tell, like, oh yeah, this was definitely WWE. You know, wrote this. This was not yeah. like an impartial. Right. You know, but I will say this: I was very, very impressed that they showed the new radical stuff because when they, they got to that part, I was like, oh, Benoit's in that. They're going to cut it out. Yeah. I'll be damned. They showed it. They even yeah, showed Chris ben- Benoit. Benoit twice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was calling Benoit. Because that's what what Jericho used to call yeah. him, Chris Benoit. Benoit. So, uh, s- speaking of Chris Benoit, we we've not really said much about him. Um, we've not we've been very, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, but we haven't really said much about him. Yeah, and like, we've touched on him a little bit, but that that's still a tragedy to me. Like that whole thing that happened. I mean, gosh, man. Like I remember I remember watching that Raw when they didn't know what happened, he had already passed. And, like, they did, like, a three-hour, like... Oh, I caught hell for that Raw. I was living with somebody at the time, and we... I watch wrestling constantly, and she would watch it with me. And when he passed away, she's like, oh, my God, he passed away. So me and her watched the whole episode of Raw, and we're watching these heartfelt stories. And we both really felt bad. Then comes Tuesday, when all the news comes out. And her two sisters and her mother railed my ass. Why? Like, oh... Yeah, there you go, sticking up for the murderer, and I'm like, whoa, hey, yeah. I've watched this guy for years. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't know what he does at home. I mean, right. you know, I don't know. He just seems like a genuinely good guy. Does stuff for right. Make a Wish. You know, he seemed like a genuinely nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know all this, but I got, I got railed hard for like a week well, straight. Makes, and I was like, Ugh. but I felt like we all got railed hard. Yeah, because all it made us all fans. feel like we were bad people because like, we liked wrestling exactly. and we liked this guy. And it was like, look, I liked his character. I like what he did in the ring. I don't know what he did when he right. got backstage. I just think he was a nice guy because, you know, he did make a wish. He did, you know, help people. He did, you know, good things in the ring and good things like publicly to help other people make a wish, things like right. that. You know, you look at those things 
And that's what I looked at when I judged him because, you know, I don't know. Same thing with Cena. Who knows? Cena could be a dirtbag for all we know. Yeah, we but he's know. the number one when it comes to Make-A-Wish. And he's, you know, does great things in the ring. I don't think he is a dirtbag by any stretch of imagination. Let me just say that up front. I think he's a stand-up guy. But, I mean, you don't know what happens when the cameras turn off or when right. he goes home. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just, I see, me, I, and you're the same way. Like, I... I love technical wrestling. Like yeah. that is my that is my jam. Like I yeah. love to watch these technical wrestlers. Oh yeah, and I think that's what's so amazing. You see, you see someone like Daniel Bryan, who twenty years ago wouldn't have been in the industry. No, no, wouldn't not happen. Nope. Wouldn't happen. Five foot eight, two hundred pounds, soaking wet. That dude is not what you consider at that time a, typ- a wrestler. A wrestler, yeah. a prototypical wrestler. And the fact that you knew you had the Rey Mysterios pave the way and all that, like it kind of was really cool. And like. I love to watch. I love to watch the matches, you know, back in the day. And like we were talking about in another episode about calling matches. Like I would just oh, turn yeah. the volume down and be calling the matches myself. And it was just so much fun because, like, I would love to. If I didn't know a move, I'd be asking people, "Hey, what is that move? What is this? What is yeah. that?" And I'd try to learn, you know, and like, you know. And then obviously you find out there's multiple names for certain positions and maneuvers and all that stuff as well. But like, it's it's interesting to me because like Chris Benoit was such a technical wrestler. That you know, I I just love watching him. Oh he, yeah. I mean, you can't. I'm sure, he did a horrible act. He did. I mean, he did something bad, and horrible. he's always going to be remembered. He's for always that. Gonna be, but and he's always going to have that black mark. But it doesn't change what he did before that happened. You yeah, know? and we gotta. I mean, we really gotta like preface our comments. Like we we. It's hard because it's almost like say, say someone, say a family member of yours that you've been been around your whole life committed a horrible act. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's it. It, it this does I kind it of, ruin all the Christmases right, that right, he right, got right. you a really good present, or the times he was there at your graduation, or it's, something it's else. It's a weird thing because like we we don't want to condone what he did. Obviously, we no. don't. Um, it's horrible. Just Google Chris Benoit. It would be the first thing that comes up. I don't want to get into all the details. Um, but him as a wrestler, that dude, that dude was phenomenal. I mean, I, he. And you look at uh, Daniel Bryan, like Daniel Bryan always said that he modeled himself after Shawn Michaels, but when you look at all the maneuvers he does, he, he does... modeled himself off of Chris Benoit. Benoit. He, he does just a fl- can't say it. He did the flying headbutt. Yep. He does a crippler cross face, yep. with, you know, which is the... The no, yes lock. The yes lock. That's the crippler cross face, essentially. And so, like, he, he modeled himself after, you know... Yeah. But and he I don't can't think say anybody's it. He can't say that. it. He just know? can't say it publicly because it's such a black mark on WWE with what happened, you know, so. but... I don't know. There's it, it. It's a thing that I'm always going to be looking back in. You know, whenever my son, my son's kind of he's starting to watch wrestling a little bit now. He's, you know, he's not. You know, he's only four, so like yeah. he doesn't know everything that's going on. But one day, I'd like to show him some different wrestlers because yeah. that's the thing. If you're a fan, it doesn't matter what you're a fan of. If you're a fan of something, you have your favorite moments, right? Yeah. So like, if you're a sports fan, like yeah. if you're an NFL guy, you you know your favorite, you know. Super Bowls or playoff or whatever. If you have your things, uh, if you're a UFC fan, you, you know you've got your favorite matches yeah, you've ever watched. Yeah. You know NASCAR guy. Yeah, you know uh, you have all these things that you go back to. And for me, it's like I can go back and and tell my son, hey, I I remember uh, WrestleMania 15. You yeah. know, like I, I there's all these different moments and these different matches that you look at. You know, I, I want to go back and show my son these things. Yeah. And you know, Chris Benoit has been in some phenomenal matches. Him and Eddie Guerrero had some amazing matches. So it's but it's. It's weird, man. It's a, it's a weird, and also we like you guys to chime in too. You know, I, I we we know we, at the happy hour we like to talk about different things, a lot oh, of yeah. different topics, but we're we're unabashed uh, wrestling fans. Yeah, we for love sure. wrestling, an outlet for us to be able to kind of 
speak our thoughts yeah. on this. Um, and if you like wrestling too, you know, give us some thoughts back as well. We know we, we have a huge gamer audience that listens to our podcast. Yeah. We do realize that, but we know we have some friends out there and some fans out there that uh, listen to the old uh, squared circle stuff. Yeah, so. which we appreciate. And please, it, we know that you wrestling fans have wrestling fans. Share these episodes with them so we yep. can kind of get that out there because out of all of our episodes – the wrestling ones definitely don't get as much play as the game ones do, but right. we'd lo- we'd love to have that raised up more because we know there's wrestling fans peop- out there, and we know that there's people that are as passionate as we are about pro wrestling, and we'd like to get this out there to them so they can share with us because it, it's it's sad that the only person I can really talk about pro wrestling to is Johnny yep. and, and vice versa, mm-hmm. so yep. I think that's why we kind of expound on the show so much it's about true. wrestling because it's the only time we can talk about it because it's yep. not like... I can go to my, you know, the people I work with and be like, right. hey, do you see Raw? And they're going to yeah. be like, no, we no. did not see Raw. No. Because Big Bang Theory was on or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever else is on on Monday night. but Bazinga. Bazinga. <laughs> uh, anyways, before we get into more of the Monday Night Wars, I thought we'd take a small break. This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by... Sci-Fi Saturday's Bartow. It is February 21st, 2015 from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yes, and they're going to have the Raider 1 Cylon ship from the original 70s Battlestar Galactica is going to be on site. Wow! They're going to have many sci-fi collectible vendors. Amazing! Panels, games, a life-size TARDIS, a Doctor Who costume contest, food vendors, the 501st Star Wars Club is going to be there. Oh, snap. Oh, yes, and the USS Haven Star Trek Club. Cosplayers are welcome, and just so you know, it's a totally free event. Free! Completely free for you and the family. It's going to be a family event, so come on out and see us at Sci-Fi Saturdays Barto, and that's Sci-Fi spelled just like the TV network. S-Y. F-Y. Saturdays, Bartow, and come out and see The Happy Hour with Johnny. And Deuce! Yes, sir. And welcome back. I'm Johnny, and of course I have Deuce. What's going on, man? And uh, we were, of course, uh, before we got back from our small break, we were talking about the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, man. amazing this little miniseries is. I don't Documentary know how long, series, docu-series. How long are these going to go for? I don't know. Because it it's to be weird. way longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be like three or four episodes and yeah. it just keeps going. I'm well, like, the thing is and that also threw me off is they took like a week or two off. Like it did. was the Austin and then it was like two weeks off and then they dropped the, the Cruiserweight one which we just talked about and then they just dropped this week the Goldberg episode. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. They're not really kind of they're not explaining keep, when keep they're dropping. Coming, man. Yeah, they're I, amazing. Although I, I'm not gonna lie, I'd love to own this set. Yeah, I want to own these, like yeah. physically own these, like in a set. Like if they I make would, like a box set or I something. I would love definitely. to own it because uh, it's wow. I, I I never get bored of watching these. Another thing to note is that they do a really good job of like throwing in information that. If you didn't watch the other Monday Night War episodes, like it kind of yeah. recaps some stuff because yeah. they always mention NWO in almost every single one of the episodes. Oh yeah, they do. But it's good though because it kind of you know if you just want to jump in on the Goldberg episode, they're yeah. gonna have it. But speaking of Bill Goldberg, who is Bill Goldberg? Bill Goldberg, former Georgia linebacker, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, football player, semi extraordinary. Um, you know, was playing football. Everything's going his way, and he gets drafted to. Is it Carolina? I don't remember if it was that or if it was Atlanta Falcons. I want to say it was the Falcons that drafted him, and that's the reason why he was in Atlanta. Yeah, I think it was the Falcons. So they draft him. Um, Something happens, like he tears a knee, something. Long story short, he's not with them anymore. 
he's at home. He's, you know, working out every day because, you know, playing football all your life, that's what you do. It's just a routine. You go to the gym. He starts working out with Sting and Lex Luger at his local gym. And, they, you know, he's rubbing shoulders and elbows with him. And he's like, you know what, I need a job. And I I love it because in the documentary he talks about how his uh, personal finance guy was like, hey, uh, you didn't make that much money in the NFL. You might want to find a job. So he's like, well... Let me talk to these guys. And they said, why don't you go down to the power plant? And that's kind of where the uh, story starts. And the whole Goldberg story is him showing up to the power plant and then, you know, seeing his physique and seeing how, you know, physically fit he was and kind of working from there. So we were both right. He 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 uh, got debuted in the, in the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. And then he did his last year. He uh, did get with the uh, Carolina with the Carolina Panthers. Uh-huh. So we were both right. High five there. Wow. Bill Goldberg, that dude. I remember this very first match. I kind of want let's let's take it back. This very first match. Okay. I remember it like it was yesterday. This was back. I'm getting goosebumps now because I get really excited to think about, especially WCW because WCW had these phenomenal wrestlers as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. His very first match was against Hugh Morris. Yeah. And uh, humorous, uh, Hugh Morris, whatever the the play yeah. on that word is. Uh, and Hugh Morris was. Now he's like a, a player. Bill Demont, yeah, is his real name, and yep. he's a he works at NXT now. So yep. I believe the head trainer, but he also is. if he, you've watched the Tough Enough TV series, yeah. any of the ones, yep. the old. So he's ones been in the, in the industry yeah. ever since. He's not left. He's always had his uh, mark in the industry. And I remember watching that match, and he didn't have Goldberg didn't really have any music or anything. He came out, and I remember Tony Schiavone, Mike Tenay. And uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, they were all talking, and it was like they weren't thinking about much about the match. No. They were like, "Oh, here's this guy," and all of a sudden, I remember in the middle of the match, Goldberg flips and does a backflip, like in the yeah. middle for no reason. They're like, "Whoa, yeah, what is this?" Like they were, you could tell, like Tony Schiavone and them were like, uh, "We don't really know much on this guy. We know a little bit about him. He's a former wrestler, uh, former NFL player, but we don't really know much about him." And how strong he was! Like he was lifting Hugh Morris like he was nothing. I was yeah. like, "Holy crap!" And then, but I was like, "Wow!" I mean, watching Goldberg just dominate Hugh Morris like that—someone that was a higher mid card guy, you yeah. know, uh, upper tier mid card guy—and and then all of a sudden, you talk about the streak. Oh yeah, there's been some amazing matches because you think about what I love to chronicle with Go- Bill Goldberg is. Who was hot at the time? Yeah, because you look at where everything was with WCW. You know, you had Sting. Yeah, um, this is. I mean, obviously before the the NWO, you know, you had Sting and you you had Lex Luger. Who were the top guys in WCW at the time? Right? Oh, they were the. You know, that was the NWO. It was right. Hogan, Scott Hall, right. Kevin Nash. Right. You know, you had all those guys that were kind of at the top of the ladder. And then you had like a separate, like a divided line. You had people that were Goldberg fans. You had people that were DDP fans. Yeah. And I remember Halloween Havoc 1998, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, the year they gave all the money back. Yeah. Because the, the, the final match of the night, the main event, got cut off because they, they ran too long. Yep. And they had to refund everybody's money. Yep. So yep. they lost a, they lost their shirt because I remember it, I was at a buddy's house watching it. And it just went, and we're like... No. Yeah. So we all got on, you know, called the cable company. Yeah. And we got all of our money back. But it was interesting that it was it was a thing that you are captivated by when you were watching you know, Bill Goldberg because it was like who's no, who's next yeah. moniker was like he's selling merch and all of a sudden all of a sudden this guy who doesn't talk on the mic he yeah. just has and once he started having that yeah that theme music yeah you know I was like oh my god 
and he had like the the drums and the and everything like it was like almost he had like the pyro the pyro like and he was inhaling like yeah. a dragon like that 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 pyro he was just inhaling it and he was just spitting it back spitting out. And he had that out. security team that he had come that out with him. Security team and like he was busting the door down when he would get out. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like that that dude had a presence. Like he was so enigmatic. You had no idea who he was really, and you were just like, this guy is just plowing through people. Like, yeah, he's just just he's traumatizing people. I mean, and his and think about like how difficult and how strong it has you have to be to be able to do his uh, finish maneuver because you have to it's it's essentially a modified uh, suplex or brain buster. Yeah. So you got to hold him up in the air, hold it for a while. Yeah, he's just sitting there holding it. And then he brings it down like a power slam. So it's like a it's like a modified, it's like a, a vertical suplex uh, formed into a power, power slam. slam. So yeah. it's like, and it's so powerful looking. Like when you do it, it looks like the guys get the wind knocked out of them. Like, so the maneuver itself, because I always love watching good finishing maneuvers. Like a finishing maneuver needs to have a good hook, needs yeah. to have a good setup too yeah. as well. You always look, you always look at uh, Stone Cold. He always had that kick to the gut before he did yeah. the uh, stunner. You know, he had that good setup. You know, and he had Hogan with a leg drop and, and everything, or um, the the big boot before yeah. he did the leg drop. And like, so you always have these awesome setups and everything. And so Goldberg's setup was really the spear. Yeah. He was the one that really. I mean, I'll, people have used it later on. You yeah. know, but uh, nobody edge. did it like Goldberg did. I mean, he was just knocking the spit out of people. I remember yeah. one time, some one of my friends was in. Where was he at? He was in one of these nitros, and he said he was in the front row. And Bill Goldberg like speared some dude. Yeah, the dude got hit so hard that he spit all the way back, and he guy got hit in the face with some really. Fire. Yeah, it was really really funny. Uh, but like he, I mean, he was hitting him hard. I yeah. mean, I know they have to take a bump, but I don't yeah. think anyone. If you were fighting Goldberg that night, no, no, nobody wanted a piece of that. I don't think you want to take a bump for Goldberg because no. he didn't. I mean, the dude, the dude was, the dude, the dude was, was rough and tumble. Dude was yeah. six five, two hundred eighty five pounds. The dude was all muscle, and the, I mean, that dude was strong. Like he was lifting people up, yeah. like they were nothing. And just I love watching that match. Uh, just watching him catapult. And I remember that one night in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't remember the year it was. I think it was like 98, 99 before, you know, the switch yeah. over. He was uh, fighting against Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Wow. What a match. I remember the crowd. It was like 90,000 people were in that audience. It was amazing. It was almost like a pay-per-view event. And he, and and everyone was all like on their feet and people were excited. And I remember, I remember sta- literally standing up like his, yeah. right when he was about to get him up in his maneuver, yeah. his finishing maneuver. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna do it! And then you heard Bobby the Brain Heenan like he couldn't even talk; he was screaming so loud. Like, yeah. and I, you don't see Heenan really going crazy like break that. Break character, break character, but yeah. he was breaking character. Yeah. And people were throwing stuff into the into the ring; yeah. like it was crazy, dude. Like, and then we had him up, and then he slammed him down, and it was like the whole audience just erupted. Just like, erupted. My TV was distorting; it was so like, yeah, there was so many people screaming. Like, it was just wow. Being able to, you know, him that that showed the faith that they had in him. You know, they have him beat Hulk Hogan, uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan at the time, and it's yeah. just mind blowing to me. Like this, I love I love seeing him go. And then all, and I don't really remember when he started to drop off. It was after the merger or after the buyout. No, it, 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 but he dropped off way before that because at least in the documentary, it started saying, you know, what basically, basically the drop off was when they tasered him. Because you remember that? Oh, that is he went, right. He went to go and fight Kevin Nash for the That's title, right. and then Scott That's Hall right. tasered him. Right, and then Scott or Kevin Nash won the belt from Goldberg. 
so the streak had now ended. Ended. I remember that. I do remember the that. the next night, it was Kevin Nash versus Hulk Hogan, which is the infamous finger poke of doom, yep. where Hogan just pokes him, Kevin Nash falls down, Hogan pinned Kevin Nash. I remember Nash, that. I remember and then that. he gets the belt, and Kevin yep. Nash basically just hands, hands it to it Hogan, to like, here you go, buddy. You're in yep. the NWO. You're the king of the NWO. Yep. This is yours. Yeah, I remember that. And after that, he just he never fully recovered from that. Yeah, well, then he made a small stint in WWE. He did, and that was just... It, it's funny. It, it was so small that they didn't even talk about it in the Monday Night War documentary. Yeah. Because at least like when they talked about when they talked about the NWO, they actually mentioned you know how the NWO came back to WWE. I want to say it was like in two thousand one, two something. They you know mm-hmm. when Vince McMahon brought it all back, um, but they didn't talk about the, uh, Goldberg coming back to WWE at all, which is hilarious because I actually have I, I've got a whole library of like WWE documentaries. Yeah, just well not documentaries, excuse me, uh, pay per views because when I used to study for college, I used to like to watch them. It's kind of just background while I was like studying for my test and things, and one of them is it's The Rock versus Goldberg is the main event, and so I mean he you know he was there for a hot minute. I want to say he was there for maybe eight or nine months, but I want to say he came back was there eight or nine months, and then he got hurt or something, and then after he got hurt, he just kind of never came back, which well, sucks. I remember WWE tried to do something similar to that with Ryback. When he first came in, oh, with the streak, yeah, yeah, and and people were saying Goldberg, yeah. Goldberg well, yeah. in the audience, and like that, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a character flop so fast because for a hot minute, Ryback was over with the crowd. He was over. He was super over because everybody thought it was a new, our new Goldberg, basically. And they're Feed like, me more yeah. was selling shirts. He was selling merch. He had the like endorsement with Subway, yeah. and like he he was making money. Yeah. And it, something happened. I don't know what it was. Do Actually, you know, I know exactly you know what, what it happened. Was. Yeah, um, basically they were setting up the streak, setting up the streak, setting up the streak, and they were going to have Goldberg come back for WrestleMania. And his only two things they told him not to do: don't spear Jackhammer or anybody, just don't do it. And then one night he just decided to act ass and get full of himself. He did it, and he did it. And the, here's the thing: it wasn't even a Monday Night Raw; it was a fucking SmackDown taping. Wow! And it's like. Come on, bro. Like, this is the one thing they told you not to do. And as soon as he did that, he got in the doghouse. That's when, like, two weeks later, the streak ended. And then they put him with uh, uh, Curtis Axel to do the whole Axel thing, which blows. So well, he had the whole, uh, before yeah. that, he had the whole Ryback rules, which no one cared. He was, he was <laughs> no, super healed. he became healed. a bad guy. Nobody cared about that. But dude, I, I, God, if, I, if I'm Ryback, like, I, God, that, he, 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 he was, it's almost like it's, he, he did it to himself. You well, know, like, in my opinion, it went to his head just because of the mere fact that we've got a local radio show here in town in Tampa called the the Mike Calta Show, and he has a lot of wrestlers on because he's actually really good friends with X-Pac, and they hang out all the time. And he had Ryback call in, and it was before me and you went to go see, um, in Lakeland, uh, Raw, not Raw, but you know that WWE house show. And he was talking about it, and he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be there, yada, yada, yada. And when you heard it, because he was going to be the main event that particular night, he just, he sounded really full of himself. And I'm like, dude, yeah, you're the main event, but you're main eventing a house show in Lakeland. You know, d- come on, bro. Take it down a notch. You're yeah. not Cena. Come on. Like, yeah. he just seemed really full of himself and kind of was acting the ass. And I was like, Ew. you know, when people let too much 
chatter get in yeah. their ears, you know? Yeah. Sometimes they let it go to their head, and that's what it sounded like to me when I was listening to them. I'm like, oh, man, you've got the wrong people in your ears telling you the wrong stuff, and this yeah. is going to blow up, and that's what happened. Uh, is he even still with the company? Who? Ryback. I, I haven't seen him in a hot while. minute. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I've seen him. That'd be something we'd have to research yeah. at a later date and time. But, um, but yeah, what what a ride with Goldberg. I mean, I, I don't think he'll ever come back. I think he will. You think so? Because he's actually said multiple times, he's like, look. You he's know, still in shape. He's in great, he still looks great, great shape. He was in that, that, that uh, I saw, what was that, that Adam Sandler movie he was in? Oh, The Longest Yard? Yeah, he still looked like he was in really good shape oh, there. Oh, yeah, and all the stuff that they use for the documentary has been taped, I would say, within the last six months, he a got, year. He can still kick some ass. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah I wouldn't want to get in a back alley no. fight with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, it actually leads me to one of my favorite Goldberg stories ever. Um, I was 16 years old. And it was my birthday, and Thunder was coming to Orlando, and my dad was like, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? I'm like, I want to go see uh, Thunder. He's like, okay. So me and my dad trek out to Orlando to go see Thunder, and I, I can't even remember what it was. I want to say it was like Hogan was there and a couple other people there. So we watched, and everything's going good, and then the show's over. And we're like, oh, okay. And as soon as the show's over, dad's like, oh, let's get out of here before everybody, you know, so we get out quick. I'm like, okay. So we get out of our chairs, and they're like, folks, don't leave. Next, the match is Goldberg versus, it was actually Fit Finley is who it was. Oh, Fit Finley. Yeah, and he was like, up next is Goldberg live and in action, because that was like the dark match of the night. My dad puts his big-ass hand on my shoulder and sits me back down. He's like, we're going to see this. And I'm like, okay. So we go out, you know, and Fit Finley comes out first, and then Goldberg comes out to the big, the music and the fireworks and the pyro and all that. And I think it was one of my favorite moments with my dad because me and him both looked at each other like we were five-year-olds because like <laughs> Goldberg came out and we're like, oh, Goldberg. That's awesome. And just going crazy. And I remember like, you know, I think the match was over in like three minutes. He came in, did his three moves, pinned his ass, and then left. But me and my dad are like high-fiving each other. That's awesome. It was, it was one of the coolest moments I had with my dad just because just seeing him in person and me and him both acting like little kids. That's funny. Goldberg was the man back in the day. I think my favorite part of the whole documentary is when Randy Orton goes, man, let me tell you, back when I was in high school, man, that was the thing, watching Goldberg. Monday night, you go to a boy's house, you pop a couple cans, and you watch Goldberg spear motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, that's exactly what you did. You popped open a couple beers, you watched Goldberg well, spear motherfuckers. That was what's great. Was we were in high school during his during Goldberg's prime. Oh, and yeah. That was, you know, that was was awesome because it was like you, we would we, we sit here. That was Monday night. And then yep. Tuesday, all you did all day in class yep. was talk about what yep. happened on yep. Raw. And, you know, I, God, I hope we have those days again. I just don't think it will ever happen. I just don't see it. Well, I mean, who's who's – we kind of mentioned this before in the past, but who who is the hot person right now in the WWE? Who's over the most right now? Who do you think? Not not counting Cena. I think Dean Ambrose is getting really over. He's pretty over, yeah. Yeah. Um, Daniel Bryan once he gets back, once will he's be back, will interrupt. Yeah, yeah the um, crowd will love to see him. But yeah, I mean, it. Prime example: This week, I got done with the two documentaries, the Cruiserweight and the Bill Goldberg at the gym, and I still had time. And I'm like, "Fuck, what am I going to watch?" So I decided, "Screw it, I'm going to put on Night of Champions." Since we missed it, I fast forward through the whole goddamn thing. Like I was like, "This match blows." Next match, this match it wasn't blows. Good next, at all. It, it was terrible. Like literally, wow. I was still in the elliptical, going, "Shit, what am I going to watch now?" And I ended up throwing on ECW TV. I'm like, right. "Oh." Let's watch a whole ECW pay-per-view because at right. least that'll be interesting because right. this is just hot garbage. Right. So, I, I don't know. And how can you have your champion who has the belt 
not on your pay-per-view. He's not going to be there Sunday at Hell in a Cell, and he's not going to be there probably for the next two or three pay-per-views. Like, I don't know. That blows my mind. Well, I think Ziggler is pretty over. He's always... Oh, he, Ziggler is totally Ziggler's over. even getting better. Like, I, I, I just love his energy, and I love who he is. Uh, you know, uh, he's really energetic and, and whatnot. But I, I was like thinking about who's really over. Who, who is putting people in the seats? And that's the thing. You know, you've got to have... Ambrose yeah. is great, but he needs another person in there. Like, he, I don't know. I, I think I don't know. Rollins and 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 Ambrose have a nice little feud going, but yeah. I also think the, uh, Roman Reigns was starting to get a push, and then he got injured, yeah. and then Bad News Barrett was getting over as a bad guy. He was getting over as yeah. Bad News Barrett. That gimmick was over. I mean, he was getting over on that. Yeah, and then he got injured. And then Daniel Bryan gets injured, and it's like everyone's getting injured, and it's like, what do you do? You got to put someone in the spot, yeah. you know. And it's like, what? I I do I do genuinely love the Miz and Damian Mizdow. That yeah. I have not laughed so hard. Falling to the floor, he hurt his he hurt his knee, and then yeah. and then Mizdow's hurting, holding on like hurting his yeah. knee, doing that. That is the craziest, stupid gimmick, but I love it. It, it makes me happy every time yeah. I see it. So bravo to WWE for that because that that that's just over the top, but it's really funny. It is, but the good thing is because of all these injuries, if we can say there's any kind of plus, is that you know Dean Ambrose is getting a push. He, he wouldn't is. be getting that push no. if that didn't happen. Same thing with I don't think Ziggler would be getting the push. No, or Cesaro because I told you about Cesaro is going to be in a two out of three falls match at Hell in a Cell. He wouldn't be getting that match if it wasn't for all these people being hurt. Right. So that. That's great because it's given a lot Although, of people time to shine. I f- I'm realizing lately that Randy Orton's starting to get over again with the crowd because I've noticed lately watching him, people are, when he's starting to get up to do his, his uh, RKO or whatever, people are starting to stand up like they used to. And I'm like, well, what a part is of that, that is because of that whole meme thing that happened on Vine. Have you seen that? Yeah. The RKO out yeah, of nowhere. That's awesome. And like WWE's <laughs> actually promoting that. And I watched it Monday night and they're like, oh my God, RKO out of nowhere. And it's I'm like, you did not say that last week. So you're, yeah. you're trying to be hip with the social media. But, they are. You know, I, I think part of that is helping him get back kind of into, you know, Because Randy spotlight. Orton used to be the man, dude. Like I, I was, he was. A, I, was I a, loved I loved Orton. Randy Orton back in the day when he, he back when he was a heel and he would just he well kind of the anti hero like yeah. you just he, you didn't know if he was gonna love you or hate you right. and he'd come out and you'd think that these two were best buddies and then he you know RKO out of nowhere and yeah just, and I loved his RKOs out of nowhere like he would just do some crazy stuff yeah. And uh, his documentary that he had a while back was really interesting. Phenomenal. Because he's had some issues. Yeah, with he's some had some ups and, stuff. Up and, ups and downs. But. Yeah, he's definitely had some ups and downs and, and whatnot. And I don't know. I mean, the dude looks like he's still in incredible shape. Oh, but, yeah, amazing shape. But I also feel like he needs something to kind of separate himself. Because back when he was a legend killer, like, that yeah. was an awesome run for him. Like, just knocking people out. Like, I love that. Yeah. I don't really know if he has. Because that evolution thing just fizzled out. Yeah, yeah, it did. And even the Evolution 2.0, if you want to call it that, when Batista came right. back and it was kind of right. Triple H and Batista and RKO right. again, fizzled out pretty quick. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with Batista having to leave because he had to promote Guardians of the Galaxy and do other stuff. But, right. you know, I don't know. I think if they're smart, they'll they'll let RKO be with Triple H and everything, but you kind of need to get him back on that anti-hero. Like, yeah. Almost like the... Austin character like he does what he wants when he wants and how he wants and exactly. that's the way you got to bring him back and if you do that that'll work because credit where credit is due he has gotten better in the on the mic in the past I agree say, two I years. do I definitely agree with that yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll see where it goes from there but we're gonna take take a small break and next we'll be talking about 
WWE Total Divas. Total Divas. And we're back. And I am Johnny Womack, and I have... Deuce, what's up, man? And uh, we love the Total Divas. We do. It's my favorite show. I've been posting on on Facebook like it's going out of freaking style. The biggest news out of that this past week was that our girl Paige is going to be part of the Total Divas. And Alicia Fox. And Alicia Fox. Yeah. And I am totally mixed on this. I, I When you told me about it, at first I was excited, and then I was like, oh... Hmm, I don't know. I'm, I have really. I'll, I'll let me get your thoughts on it, and then I'll, I'll kind of chime in. But like, I, I, mm, I have a lot of mixed reactions on that. Well, my thoughts are this: like, everybody who's on Total Divas are getting a push. Period. Because that show is doing great numbers for E, and they've already signed them up for a third season. So, I mean, you know, they're golden on E, and they're making money. So. Whoever's on that show is going to get pushed, and I really like Paige, so at least she'll get pushed because she's on that show. So I guess it's a plus in that area. The only thing is the pushes the people from E have been getting have been kind of like, eh. Like, look at the Bella Twins whole storyline. That's kind of hot garbage. And the whole thing with TJ and Natty, that is super hot garbage. Like, that, that borderline just straight up pisses me off because I love the two of them, and that whole divorce storyline is just bullshit because those two kids love each other they do like stupid love each other yeah so it pisses me off so like when i watch total divas i have to remind myself the whole time it's a worked shoot you know what i mean like it's totally a worked shoot so i've just got to remind myself that so i don't just like you know a burst of blood vessel or something yeah so well i that first season was magical. Like I don't think you could get back from that first season. Mm-mm. It's been a little bit different, a lot different um, since that first Huge season. Huge different because they scripted the second season. The first season seemed more like unscripted and kind of raw, like a fly on the wall kind yeah. of deal. But then after that, they're like, "Oh, we got to script this, and we got to make sure it's like your Jersey Shore and your, yeah. you know, all your, your Kardashian shit." Well, my thing is Paige. I love Paige because like. She's a legit wrestler. I was having actually a debate online about this uh, on the internet wrestling community on Facebook. IWC? Yeah, IWC. And they, they uh, people were saying, yeah, I don't watch Total Divas. Paige is on it. I might watch it now. And, and and I go, well, she's the only one really that, other than Natty, that's a, like a legit wrestler. Because you think oh, about yeah. it, everyone else, especially during that late 2000s where it was just all just models that they tried to train into. Oh, yeah, into. that's exactly what it was. That's all they did was they had models that they were like, well, you know, this is a model. And they did that Total Divas search, and that's how they yeah. got a lot of them. They're like, well, we'll get them to the Total Divas model search, and then we'll try and, you know, teach them how to wrestle. Well, you can't do that. No. You need to find, you know, somebody who can wrestle who is pretty, not somebody pretty, and then teach them how to wrestle. That, and that's what I love Paige. Paige is like, she's beautiful, but she's she's edgy. She's kind of has that Lita um, s going for her. Like she's yeah. really edgy. Uh, she wears the dark clothes. She's pale. She got the nice makeup. She she's uh, kind of gothy a little gothy, bit. Gothy, yeah. And, the word. and so like she's she's got the look for sure. 
but the girl can freaking wrestle like straight up wrestle like she she knows submission maneuvers like she knows all these different things and like i loved her matches in nxt yeah nxt you guys if you've not checked out nxt you need to be we, we've we've touted about this before but you definitely need to check out nxt nxt's got some just like crazy yeah nxt rival still probably my favorite pay-per-view of the year i mean that 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 pay-per-view is just insane we thank you for listening to this amazing episode of the happy hour with johnny and deuce and you can check us out on the twitter machine at johnny how can they get you they can find us at hh podcast show and also deuce is on his own twitter yes at all things deuce and it's spelled d-u-c-e and then mine is at johnny underscore womack that is w-o-m-a-c-k yeah yeah and if you can show us that some at hh podcast show uh twitter some love man our twitter it needs some love we need to we need to water it a little bit yeah we're doing really great on our facebook but we we want we need some more twitter love so any twitter followers out there People that listen to this show that love Twitter, tweet at us. Yeah. Retweet us. Follow please, us. Please, please, please. So. And then, of course, we uh, we have a Vine now. We do. And we uh, just look for us in the Vine, however you look up stuff for Vine. Yeah, uh, we we'll, are Vine newbies. We yeah. are learning and this Instagram, as we go. We have an Instagram now. Oh, we'll start. Right. We'll, be, we'll be doing pictures of that. So we're, we're, we're trying to be everywhere you need to find Happy Hour Johnny Deuce. We want to be there for exactly. you. Exactly. We want to be out there and be on the social media. And we also want to do another mailbag episode in the future. And Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We love that last mailbag episode that we did. That's one of our highest rated episodes so we far. We loved it. It was so much fun. Um, so what is our email, Deuce? Our email is at hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. So yeah, hhpodcastshow at gmail.com. And send us a line. If you like what you're hearing, you want feedback, you want to throw in some Hey, this is my favorite wrestlers. Oh, I like this stuff. Or whatever. You know, throw in some stuff. We we definitely want to read it. We read everything we get. So yeah, we do. And we respond. we respond to every single one. So definitely send us and anything else, Deuce, before we head out? I think that's it, man. But you know the hashtag you gotta use when you're following the HH podcast show on the Twitter machine, and that's hashtag Deuce is on the loose. See ya.